Last week, we talked about preparing for victory, and I was so excited to bring you the message. It had been brewing in my heart uh, the whole time that I was in Africa. The first week of this Preparing for Victory series, I gave a report about how victorious that this body, the work of Harvest Preparation International Ministries, and the things that we're doing in Africa, it's just incredible what God is doing there. And we're continuing all week long to get such great testimonies from Uganda and Kenya and Rwanda and Burundi, uh, that we're seeing God be victorious in those nations in such a great way. One of the things that I want to continue on in this series in preparing for victory is I want you to know that the enemy wants to bring discouragement to you and to us, to the kingdom in any way, shape or form that he can to bring down what God wants to accomplish, the great things that God wants to do. You know, there's, uh, it's not a secret or it's not a mystery. The enemy doesn't want you or the church or the kingdom, the work here in Columbus to succeed. And he'll do whatever he can to bring a discouragement upon God's people so that they'll back off, they'll lose hope, they'll lose heart in what they're doing and not do it to the full capacity that God would have you to do the work. Let me just assure you of one thing. God has a great plan for you and history is depending on you to do what God has called and gifted you to do. So today I wanna to begin in the book of Exodus. We're gonna look at some scripture texts that reveal to us that uh, life can bring many challenges to us. And in the midst of these challenges, we can become extremely discouraged. What do we do when discouragement comes in? And so today I'm going to give you some personal testimonies. We're going to talk about things from the scripture, but we're going to be, when we are done with this, we're going to be encouraged to fight our battles with a different intensity. We're gonna be encouraged to know the plan and the schemes of the enemy and how we can overcome them. And we are going to be prepared like never before, even in the midst of these challenging circumstances to move forward to the place that God has for our lives. So let's begin this message today in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are such an amazing king, that you are such a great God and wonderful father, that you love your children more than we can ever imagine. And that's so true, but help us come to the place to where we not only imagine your love, but we feel it, we sense it, we know it, and we walk in the power of your love for our lives. And so today, Father, as I bring this message, I pray that it would bring great encouragement to people and that it would help us to forget about yesterday and to know that you have our tomorrows in your hand. And so Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna begin in Exodus chapter six, and in this text, we're gonna see that Moses is talking to God. He's talking about the assignment that God has given him. You know, we all have an assignment from God. 
Sometimes when we get an assignment from God, it can seem so overwhelming and so big that there would be no way possible that we could accomplish what God has given us to do. You know, I'm in the midst of one of those projects right now. My passion is to be the senior pastor of Redeemer's Church, and I love this church with all my heart. And uh, another assignment that God has given me is to change the world by transforming the lives of leaders around the world. And the projects that he's given, they're so amazing and so large that it seems like, how is there any way that we could accomplish those things? But it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to throw or to come against us, God has always enabled us to leap over every hurdle. He's always provided everything for redeemers, for me personally, for those projects around the world, because our God is amazing. And if we're gonna move beyond the place to where discouragement can't have a hold on us, we have to understand how good God is and how valuable we are in the kingdom. And you see, Moses was coming to a place to where he was uh, a bit discouraged himself. He had uh, come back out of his place of isolation in the wilderness, and he had been given an assignment from God to bring the Israelites out of captivity, and his first couple go-arounds didn't go very well. He confronted Pharaoh, he told the people that he was there to rescue them, and it didn't turn out real well. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh made their lives even worse. He made their assignments more difficult, and the people were like, stop, don't do anything else for us because you're just making it worse for us. And so I wanna look in Exodus chapter six at some scripture and then make some points and uh, show you that discouragement is, an, is a very powerful thing. And that uh, in the midst of who we are and what our assignment is, we can overcome that discouragement and we can accomplish the things that God has called us to do. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about what's your major theme in life, and my theme in the kingdom is this, is that every day is an adventure. That the things we get to do for God are so amazing that I almost feel guilty sometimes about uh, the things that I get to do, the places that I get to go. But life in the kingdom is a great adventure. And for us to live the adventure to the fullest of what God has in store for us, we've got to understand that even when discouragement comes our way, that we've got to be focused on the idea of knowing that God is amazing. So let's look at where Moses is in this place in his life as we look at the scripture in Exodus chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave this land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. And I reaffirm my covenant with them under its terms. I promise to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. 
you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. You know, God never forgets. He knows the promise that he made to Abraham. He knows the promise that he made that he would bring his people into a promised land. They weren't at that place. And the people were aware of those promises. And it had been so long since they had seen any hope activated that that could even ever come to pass that they began to see things differently. They began to only be focused in their discouragement and not in the place where God could ultimately take them to. But this is the cool thing about God. He wasn't satisfied leaving them in the place they were. He was gonna bring them to an even better place. And see, this is something you have to understand, that God doesn't bring us back when he, he uh, does a great thing in our life to the place we were before the bad thing. No, that's not who God is. God brings us to an even better place than we had ever been before. And I'm gonna talk about why that happens in just a moment. So let's look at verse six. It says, therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Now listen to what Moses said. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of the slavery they were under. The words too discouraged there, I'm reading in the New Living Testament today, by the way, but the words uh, uh, too discouraged in the English Standard Version say broken spirit. And in other words, what the people of Israel were saying that life has beat us down so badly that our very spirit is broken inside of us. You see, when the enemy gets us to a place to where our spirits are broken, to where we are so discouraged by our circumstances, he knows that we won't listen to what God is saying, what the pastor is preaching, what the, the word is, is telling us, because that discouragement will be the thing that overrides even what God wants to do. And we cannot allow the enemy to bring us into that place of discouragement. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, 
to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so here we are. Moses is in a place to where he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to uh, fulfill the mission that God has given him in the kingdom. But he's finding that there's a lot of roadblocks along the way. He's finding that it's not just going to be a walk in the park, that it's just not going to be something that happens because he says to somebody, thus says the Lord, this is where we're at. Now, the interesting thing is here is that we have to see what the enemy's plan is here. And this is it. The enemy wants to bring such a great discouragement to you that it breaks your spirit. We can't allow uh, uh, the enemy to do that. Now, when we talk about having a broken spirit, we're talking about a place of consistent discouragement, a place where you lose hope in God. You know, when we're going to move forward in victory and do the things that God has called us to do, we're only going to be able to do those by great faith and a tremendous hope that God's going to lead us in the right direction. You see, the Israelites were disappointed from their years of captivity and slavery, and they could not imagine that their circumstances would ever change. See, they're not much different than a lot of people are today. A lot of people have faced so many difficult and discouraging circumstances that when it comes to the idea that they could do something great for God, their, their hope is dashed, their spirits have been broken, their hope is gone. And so when it comes to being able to walk out into a place of adventure for the kingdom of God, there's nothing left in them to be able to say yes to what God is calling them to do or to say, I can see that assignment being uh, for me and for me to be able to complete that assignment. See, discouragement has a tremendous power. Disappointment is something that rests in our minds and in our spirits and stays there until we overcome it. You see, that's why when the Bible says we're more than overcomers in Christ Jesus, there's a reason for that scripture. There's a reason for that encouragement. The encouragement is, is that if God before us, who can be against us? I'm a vessel of the most high God. Jesus lives inside of me. So I can be encouraged to know that me and Jesus, we can overcome these things that are before us. So remember, the Israelites were uh, despondent for a reason. They were, they were in captivity. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were not free. Now, here's some things that we have to understand if we're going to move forward. Our circumstance is God's opportunity. Let me say that again. Our circumstance is God's opportunity. You see, when we get into a place of, uh, uh, when we get into a predicament that we can't overcome on our own, that's when we begin to see God be God. That's when we get to see the scripture become real. Now, the second thing I want to, to say is this, we cannot fully appreciate and understand who God is until we see him move on our behalf. 
You know, until we see God do what God is so good at doing, uh, we see that the scripture just becomes theory. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And as a matter of fact, the Bible is just theory and comforting words until we see God activate his promises. You see, the Israelites were discouraged because they heard about a promised land, but they hadn't been able to get there for hundreds of years. And so they just felt like that promise, that thing that God said would never come to pass. See, discouragement brings us to a place to where we can read this word, but we don't trust it. And in order to get to the place that we need to be the overcomers that Christ has called us to be, we not only have to read this word, but we have to believe this word. We not only have to uh, uh, absorb it, but we have to walk in it. See, the word of God are just words on a page until we begin to activate them for ourselves. And see, activation of the word is a very difficult thing when we're always walking around in the midst of discouragement. Listen, the current situation that we are in, people can find a lot of discouragement. You know, just being... Uh, uh, sequestered to our house, a type A personality like me, this can really drive a guy nuts. And so, yes, I find myself just taking little drives around town to just kind of uh, fulfill that thing, that need inside of me, that type A personality thing. But I can't let this circumstance bring discouragement to me. I've got to find something in each and every day that I can hold on to that brings that joy, that comfort, and that goodness of who I know God is. Now, when we look at these things, we have to understand this, that victory becomes more easy when we know that God is real. Now, listen to me again. Victory becomes more easy when we know that God is real. And so, how does God show us he's real? He shows us how real he is in the midst of our circumstances. One of the things that we have to see about the Bible is this. The entire Bible is testimony after testimony of God coming through uh, for people when their circumstance seems impossible. I mean, who would have ever thought that Joseph would arise to the place that, that he came to in knowing all of the crazy things that happened in his life? Who would have thought that Abraham would have been the father of all nations knowing that he didn't even have a child and he was 100 years old? See, every story and testimony that we read in the Bible is always about how God steps in and intervenes in the midst of people's disappointment to bring them to a different place. And so we've got to understand that although Disappointment and discouragement is a powerful tool of the enemy. These are the exact places that God is having the opportunity to show us that he is real. To bring the Bible beyond a place of just being a theory to the place where the activation comes in and we begin to see that God is real. 
Now, this is exactly what Jesus did in Mark chapter one. When he began to paint the picture of what the uh, New Testament church was going to look like, we see that one of the things that when he preached, people uh, said, wow, this is like a preaching like we've never heard before. They were amazed at the things that he said. But not only did he just say things, he also activated and showed them what it looked like of the things that he said. We see that in Mark chapter one, he cast out demons. We see in Mark chapter one that he healed Peter's mother-in-law. In other words, it wasn't just the words that he spoke, but it was the things that he did. I love the fact that the Bible tells us in John chapter 14 that even greater things will we do in his name. See, he has given us the ability to do those things as well. And that's the beauty of not just knowing the word, but activating the word. The entire Bible is testimony after testimony uh, of God working through people's circumstances to show how real that he is. Now, what was God trying to do here for the Israelites? So let's look at verse six again, because this is important, because this is what he wants to do for you as well. He says, therefore, he's telling Moses, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. The first thing that God wants to do when we're in the midst of an oppression when we get to a place to where discouragement comes into our lives, we have to understand that our God wants to release us from that place of oppression, that our God doesn't want us to be controlled by that discouragement. And so that's what he was doing here, that he's saying to them that I want to free you from your place of oppression. And the second thing he says is I want to rescue you. Now, see, when we're in a place of, of, of discouragement or we're in a place like the Israelites were, they were in a place of, save, or of slavery. And God says, I wanna rescue you. And so if we are in a place of despondency, that's a place that God, that's not a place of God. Oppression is not a place for, of God. Depression is not a place of God. And so we see first that he wanted to free them from that. Second, it says that he wanted to rescue them from the slavery. Now, what was the slavery? It was the thing that was impossible. There was no way they could do that on their own. And so God wanted to rescue them from that slavery. God wants to rescue you from that place of your oppression, that place of your despondency, that place of your depression, so that he can move you to the place of the fulfillment of the history that you have in the kingdom of God. See, God is a God who's always moving us forward. We see this in the story of Joshua. When Joshua came to the place where he was leading the people into the promised land finally, that there was a barrier, a, a, a swelled river between uh, the people of Israel and the, the, the place of the promised land. And God rolled back the waters of, of that river for 19 miles so multiple millions of people could move into that place of their promise. 
You see, God, when he rescues, he removes the obstacles in our life that are holding us back. The third thing, as we continue to read, it says that he will rescue you from the slavery in Egypt. And then this is the cool part. He says, and I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. And so God does not just, like I said before, bring us to a place where he wants us to be the same as we were. No, he redeems and he restores. In other words, he makes us even better than we were the last time. This is what God does in the midst of difficult circumstances. Our needs, listen to this, our needs create an opportunity for God to show his love for his people. Now, I like to kind of say it like this, that our troubles give God an opportunity to show off because God is amazing and the things he does are well beyond what any of us can understand. Now, we have to understand that when we look at verse 9 again, so Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, they refused to listen, okay? We have to make sure that we don't get into the place to where we allow one of the tools of en the enemy to separate us. See, what, what the enemy does with discouragement, these are tools the enemy uses to try to break our spirits, and he tries to capture us through a broken spirit. He tries to capture us through fear. But we have to understand that neither of these are any match for the power and compassion that God brings to his children in the times of their distress. See, this is when God is at his best. God is at his best when we are facing a great challenge. I love the words of Romans chapter eight that says God will never leave us or forsake us. What can separate us uh, from uh, the love of God in Romans eight? What can separate us? Nothing. No, no uh, hardship, no uh, height, nor depth, nor any created thing can separate us from God's love. And how he does this is he proves it to us in the midst of our most difficult times. Now, it's interesting, I've personally experienced both of these things. I've experienced the debilitating power of fear, and I've been into a place to where I've had a tremendous broken spirit when I didn't feel like uh, life could move forward. Now, we must know and understand something, that God has a great purpose for our life, and no power in hell can stand against it. I love the reaffirming words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.10 when it says that we are God's workmanship and we are created for good works. And so when there's a roadblock that's in our way that the enemy has put there, we know that God's going to enable us to overcome it uh, with his strength and power because we were created to do something good for God. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He's saying that every spiritual blessing that is stored up in the heavenly realms has been released to us for the purposes that God has for us. 
Every gift that is from above is ours because we, as it says in these texts of scripture, before the foundations of the earth, we have been brought to a place to where God has acknowledged us. We were perfectly and wonderfully made. He knew us in our mother's womb and he has prepared something great for us. So isn't it only likely that the enemy would want to discourage us to a place that we would move into the fullness of what God would have for us. Now, we have to, we have to understand something. I get it. These are challenging times. The challenging times of where things are being shut down, this, this is challenging for us as individuals. But trust me, God is up to the challenge. God will meet every need and surpass what we can ever think is gonna come out of this when we trust him. Now, when we talk about the challenging circumstances of this time, I know what it's like to be laid off. I know what it means to have a broken spirit. I know what it means to be in a general place of discouragement. I'll never forget the day in 1987 when I drove away from the, the, the plant of Rockwell International and I had just gotten laid off and I looked in the rear view mirror wondering where my next paycheck was going to come from, knowing that I had a wife and two children at home to take care of. And uh, it was a real challenging moment. You know, I was about four and a half years into my walk with God. Uh, I had devoured the word for three years and I knew that God was with me, but I had not seen those words on the pages activated to the place to where I was about ready to see God be God. So uh, over the course of the next two years, we had decided that I would go back to school full time and that uh, I would work on finishing off my finance degree. I was painting with a friend and uh, uh, trying to paint and go to school full time and do those things. And uh, it was uh, not like it was when I was getting a paycheck every week from Rockwell International. You know, so often uh, where the place that is on our paycheck, the, where we get that, we feel like that is the source of our income. But I was quickly going to learn a great valuable lesson that whether it was Rockwell International, whether it was McDonnell Douglas, whether it's Redeemer Church, neither or any one of those places are my ultimate source of income. My provider is Jesus Christ. My provider is God. And God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And so we got about a year and a half into this process of uh, being laid off. And uh, the first year we made $11,000. The second year we made $10,000. And uh, it was about 25% of what we were making before. God had uh, uh, done neat things for us. He provided for us up to that point. But one day I came downstairs and looked into my kitchen and there was no food. And uh, uh, I, I began to feel this great despondency as not just a, a man, but as a husband and as a father that I wasn't able to provide uh, for, my, for my family. And trust me, 
I had a broken spirit. As a matter of fact, Tammy came downstairs and saw me weeping by the kitchen sink and she asked me what was wrong. And I said, look at this, there's no food in this entire kitchen. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a father. I've not provided for my family. And she said, honey, that's not true. And uh, she said, let's pray. And see, one of the things that helps you to overcome discouragement is to have people in your life who can stand with you, people in your life who can encourage you, people in your life that are in a place that you're not in so that they uh, don't allow you to stay where you are. They pull you along to the place that you need to be. And I looked at her and I, I remember clearly saying that, sweetheart, I'm not where you are. I don't have any faith and uh, I, don't, I can't even pray right now. And so we were so broke and so out of food and uh, that we didn't even have toothpaste in our house to brush our teeth. So I remember her praying, Father, in Jesus' name, we need food, we know that you're our provider, and we know that you can do those things. And, and then we were getting ready to lift our heads, and she said, oh, and Father, one more thing, we need toothpaste. And I looked at her and said, are you kidding me that you're actually praying for God to, re to reveal and to release toothpaste to us as well? And she said, yes, God says to pray specifically. And so um, the girls came downstairs in their normal jovial uh, place. And you know what? Children have no idea that you don't have money. You didn't have food. There are those things that aren't in your house, but uh, they trust that they're gonna be provided for them. Isn't that interesting? My children were looking to their father and trusting that he would provide for them. Listen, we are God's children and we can look at our father and we can trust that even in our most broken circumstance and situation that our God is going to provide for us. Let me just say this at this moment. When we get into the place like I'm, des I'm describing, when we get into the place to where God's trying to do something neat into our lives. When we get into the place to where God's going to step in and show off, where God's going to step in and be a hero, there's a reason why he does it. There's a reason why God touches us in the midst of our discouragement. First and foremost, it's because he loves us. God loves us so much that he provides for us. And I'm going to read a few scriptures here in a moment from Matthew chapter 6 that talks about how valuable we are. We have great value in, in God. The second thing is, is that God wants to touch us because he wants to prove himself to us. God's, the Bible says God's promises, they are yes and they are amen. See, the Israelites knew that God was promising to bring them to a promised land, but they had been discouraged for so long that they had lost heart, they had lost hope. People, we cannot lose hope and not lose our faith in God. As a matter of fact, it's interesting because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It goes on to say that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
And so, you know, we, we've got to remain, no matter what we see with our natural eye, we have to see life through the eyes of our spirit. And we have to know that God is the one who leads and provides for us. We know that God wants to prove himself to us so we can learn that lesson. But even more importantly than that, that when God brings us out of a place of discouragement, it's because he has a future purpose in mind for us that that situation is going to build in us a faith that we didn't have at that time so that we can have faith for the next place that God's going to take us. So what happened in the Bennett household during this time? Well, three or four of the most incredible things happened that I would have never, ever been able to see God do had I not been in the midst of this circumstance. And I wanna reiterate that to you. Our circumstances are God's opportunity to prove to us just how real he is. Our circumstances are the thing that enables the Bible not just to be theory, but it becomes alive when we see God activate his power through the midst of our circumstance. So what happened? Well, a multitude of things happened. That very moment, the children came downstairs and Tammy told them to go sit at the table. And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, yep, get your bowls out, get your spoons. And, and the girls are like, oh, that's awesome, I'm, I'm hungry. And I said to her, we have no food in the house. Why are you telling them to sit down? And so it wasn't five minutes after that, we had a knock on the door. We looked out in the, in, on the front porch and uh, there were four boxes of cereal. There, were, there was uh, milk and juice on, on the steps and uh, I couldn't believe what was transpiring. So we brought the cereal in and Megan looked at, at, at me and said, Daddy, my favorite cereal, life cereal. And uh, isn't it just like God? He's just not gonna provide some red, white, and blue brand. He, he brought the favorite cereal to the house. So Tammy looks at me and she says, well, open it up, pour it into the kids' bowls. And so we were both crying and uh, I opened the cereal box and I began to pour cereal into the bowl. And what do you think was in that box of cereal? Well, I'll end your suspense. And many of you know the story, but it was a tube of toothpaste. See, God just didn't provide the food for us, but he provided a tube of toothpaste. The next day we got a knock on our door and we had a new neighbor. And this neighbor was fidgety and and was kind of him hauling around and i said hey how you doing she says look i'm your new neighbor from down the street do you believe in god i said oh yeah we believe in god who she said good well she said i was i work at a food bank and god said to me your neighbors are in a desperate need for food and she said i, I is that true and i said yes that's true she goes whoo she said, wow, I, I, I was so nervous that this would be embarrassing, you would be embarrassed. 
and she had one of those old station wagons, those ones that were 15 feet wide and 30 feet long. And as she uh, backed that thing into the driveway, the seats were down, it was completely full of food. As a matter of fact, it was so full of food that it filled our entire kitchen. And I'll never forget the girls going through it and telling me what was in it. Oreos, daddy, and this daddy, and this daddy. And so we, put that uh, food away that day and it completely filled our cabinets. Later on in that week, uh, my sister came by and uh, she said, uh, hey, I got a few things for you. And she went out in the car and had five bags of meat from Carfagna's. Not just any meat, but as you guys know, Carfagna's is one of the finest meat markets here in Columbus. And so she said, hey, I just figured you might need a blessing. She gave me a hug and she left. We started unloading all of that uh, uh, meat and putting it in the freezer. And in the bottom of one of the bags was an envelope with a lot of cash in there. And it was enough money to pay our bills for the entire month. See, God knew my circumstance. Even in the midst of my greatest despondency, God was alive and active and real. And God knew that in order to prepare me for ministry, he had to bring me to a place to where I was so broken, where I, I was uh, uh, so in a place that I could not depend on myself because he was going to ask me to do things in the ministry that I was gonna have to not be able to do in my flesh, but I was gonna have to have a great faith to, uh, to believe only in him to do those things. You see, that's the way our God is. He takes our circumstance and then he makes something out of it. He takes the things that look like uh, are, are gonna break us and he builds us. See, I've never been the same from that day forward. And when it came to the place to where I accepted my call into ministry, uh, I had to know how to live on uh, very much less money than I had been making in the aircraft industry. And so God was preparing me. See, we can't look at that discouragement as a discouragement or that challenging place as just a place that's there to, to uh, destroy us. Actually, with God, everything that we're a part of is a place for him to prove himself to us. And so what is he proving to us in these times? Well, he's proving to us our value. And so... Uh, I do a message series of the four places in the, in the Bible where God reveals to the disciples the places where they needed more faith. And one of those places where God wants to reveal to us who he is is in the place of our finances. But even more than just showing us what... Uh, we mean to God by providing for us monetarily, he wants us to know this. He wants us to know that we are so valuable, that what God has, has done in our lives is so incredible that we are the most important thing. 
above the creation, above uh, the flowers, the mountains, and every animal that God has made us even more important than all of those things, that our value is off the chart. In other words, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, it says that this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. See, God doesn't want us sitting around every day wringing our hands. And during this time of uh, this pandemic, that we don't need to sit here and rub our hands and, and, and create worry every day. We don't have to, to wonder where our next meal is going to come from. God's already got that. I know some of you have received a layoff notice just like I did in 1987. And I want to encourage you. You don't have to wring your hands today and wonder if God's going to take care of you. When you activate the principles of the word in your life, not only is he going to, not only is he going to take care of you, but he's going to protect you in the midst of this process. You know, the interesting thing that I found out is, is that if Rockwell International would have continued to build planes, I loved working there. And I probably needed to get laid off to kick me out of there. And so what looked like was a tragedy on that day of October in 1987 became an actual day of destiny for me. See, when I was looking at the rearview mirror, what I was looking at was yesterday's life because God was moving me into a completely different uh, direction for my life. Had we continued to build airplanes, I would hope to tell you that my destiny wouldn't have changed, but the money was so good, the place was such a great place to work that uh, I don't know, you know? But the good news is, is I don't have to wonder because God moved me out of that place so he could move me into this place. And I'll tell you what, I've never looked back and said, wow, that was such a tragedy in my life that uh, I was not able to overcome it. And uh, it's interesting to know that God had my destiny and direction in his hands, even at that time. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. God's got it all under control. And the more we trust him is the more we see the word not just be theory, but we see the word come to life. You know, when people ask me, what got you through that time of your despondency? What got you through that time of your broken spirit? What got you through that time where it seemed like there was no hope? And I'm going to tell you one thing got me through, and it's the word of God. If you want to break despondency, get in to the despondency breaker. And that's the word of God. Get into the Psalms. Get into that place to where you see where David was discouraged at the beginning of the Psalm. But by the end of the Psalm, his trust was completely in the Lord and his focus was totally different. This is why I tell you, this is from the Bible, not me. Don't worry about everyday life. And what is everyday life? Whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. 
I think it's interesting that the whole world is chasing toilet paper right now. Oh my goodness, what does that say to you? That uh, we have such a low trust in the things of life that we're stockpiling toilet paper. It's like, come on people, there are bigger issues than whether we have toilet paper. And as a matter of fact, we like to term those things first world problems. And so don't worry about enough food or drink or the clothes that you wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? You know, this whole thing in the kingdom boils down to value. And the most valuable thing on the earth are God's people. And God wants you to understand that you are more valuable than all of these other things, that there is more value in you than anything else. Aren't you more valuable than they are? Can all the worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they uh, don't uh, make anything, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. This whole situation, uh, Jesus didn't wake up a couple months ago and start wringing his hands and look at the father seated next to him and said, Dad, what are we going to do? There's a pandemic on the earth. You know, there's a coronavirus. How are we going to combat this? No, God already knew. Jesus was already aware. And the beautiful thing is, is the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for his own children. And so we don't have to live in that constant state of worry. We don't have to let these things dominate our thinking. It's interesting they use that word, dominate our thinking. See, that's where the Israelites were. All day long, their thoughts were dominated by the place that they were, the conditions that they lived in. And when it came to the place where Moses was trying to encourage them that they were going to go to a different level, they could not see that God could redeem them. Now, this is the thing that I want to tell you. This is like Paul Harvey telling you the rest of the story because I'm going to move uh, way beyond the place of Exodus chapter 6 to the place to where they were finally released out of captivity. See, when they were released out of captivity, the Bible says that they walked through, God allowed them to walk through all of Egypt, through everyone's households, and to shop for everything that they needed. Everything that they would need for the place of moving them from the place of captivity to the place of the promised land, God was supplying from those who had held them in captivity. 
See, this was stuff that they would have never uh, been able to purchase on their own. This was the best stuff. This was the finest things. These were the nicest dresses, the best sandals, and all of those things that they were removing from the households of their oppressors because God was redeeming them not to the place they used to be, but to the place that he was currently having them. And it was going to be better than the place that they ever were. See, there's always an end to God's story. There's always an end to the circumstances. And see, the words of Romans 8, 26, that it, he works things together for good for those who love him or call, and are called according to his purposes, that's just words until you see it come to life. And so in my life and in the lives of so many of you, you've seen those words come to life. How do we break the back of discouragement? by resting on the testimonies and the faithfulness of God. How do we come, overcome the enemy? The Bible's clear. Romans 12, 11 tells us we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection and by the word of our testimony. And God has given us all such a great testimony. As I said before, this Bible is full of the testimonies of those who God has touched in their lives and enabled them to overcome so many things. So what's the secret? Verse 33 says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today, but God has not only our today's, but our tomorrow's in his hands. So let this be a time where you're encouraged. Let this be a time that in your household, you speak words of faith. You speak words of encouragement. You speak words to your children to allow this time to be a lesson that they too can see and stand and know that God is for them. God is with them and that God will never leave or forsake you. Let this be a time to where you build your faith to a new level. Let this be a time that is not consumed with worry, but let this be a time where you purposely rest in the things of God. Listen, I'm really encouraged by the idea that I know that even in the place of a broken spirit, that God can bring restoration to you. So today, let this be a message of, of hope. Let this be a message you can hold on to as you prepare for victory. God bless you guys, and I'm really looking forward to the day to where we're all together in this sanctuary. God bless and goodbye.